an episode about Egypt sounds like a pyramid scheme to me. Itch Manners. host Travis McElroy and I'm your wife host Teresa McElroy and you are listening to Schmanners it's extraordinary etiquette for ordinary occasions hello my dove hello dear how are you a little phlegmy <clears throat> I'm a little sorry audience too. <laughs> yeah we've got uh is that that uh, the changing of the seasons as we move from winter to spring and back to winter <laughs> and back to winter and fluctuate back and forth and back and forth and back and forth yeah the whole fam has a little bit of a post nasal drip Indeed we do. But we're so excited to be here, talking to you now, living in the moment. What moment is that? It's this moment, my friends, but we're talking about the past. Yeah, well, so a lot of the things that we talk about, I tend to go way, 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 way back and talk about how a lot of the, you know, the mannerisms and the etiquette that we use today have roots in other things. For example, uh, the thing that made me think about this topic last week when we were talking about umbrellas and we were talking about them um, in ancient Egypt being mm-hmm. used only by the royalty. And I thought, man, we talk about ancient Egypt a lot. We do. So this episode is going to be kind of a biography episode, I guess, is what we usually call them. Yeah, that's kind of how we treated it. Um, But it's about... Kind of a day, a day in the life of ancient Egypt. Okay. Um, so there's a biography of ancient Egypt. Yes. Egyptians. Oh, okay. Daily. Not just this like is a biography of the lifestyle of the ancient Egyptians. Got it. Of the rich and famous. Mm, well, no. 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 I, I don't know. I don't know who you covered. Well, I, I covered a little bit of everybody. Okay. Um, well, then let's get into it. First, let's play one of my favorite games. Twister. No. Okay. How many things can Travis get wrong? Uh, that's not a game. <laughs> well, I had a really fun time when we played the, the game with the Puritans, remember? Okay. Puritan Christmas. So when you think of ancient Egypt, uh-huh. tell me about what happens in your mind's eye. Well, the thing is... Um, so I had, uh, I would say, a wonderful um, history teacher in middle school who made everything very interactive. Um, and so with ancient Egypt, we acted out um, the start to finish, like, mummification process. Okay. Like, up, in- including um, being judged by the gods and, like, having mm. your heart weighed and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The problem is, though, now that's about all I remember as far as the nitty gritty goes. So I would imagine here's what I know about ancient Egypt. And a lot of it also comes from like the Bible and biblical movie. So I know that there were slaves who built the pyramids or it was aliens. I know that there were like pharaohs and the Nile flooded sometimes and was go for crops when that happened. 
and I know that they're, I don't know, were there crocodiles in the Nile? Oh, or am I getting into the, the song King Tut by Steve Martin? <laughs> um, that they were mummified with their cats. Oh, okay. Now I just remember tidbits. Well, I would give that presentation a B minus. Better than I normally get. Okay. <laughs> so let me address a few things. Um, while Hollywood has definitely kind of played up the slavery deal with the pyramids, um, modern Egyptologists think that that's probably not the case. Wait, what? Uh, there definitely were slaves in the way of prisoners of war, basically. But there wasn't really like a slave trade. Um, and there wasn't really one slave race either. Um, prisoners of war were definitely treated as, as slaves. Uh, but that doesn't mean that all of them were. But I give, isn't that the so, deal with like Moses and yes, Pharaoh? And... The timeline is iffy. As far as how exactly that all played out. Okay. Um, and, b but the thing was, the modern study of Egyptology, there are, there's so much skill and craftsmanship that goes into building, say, a pyramid or a temple or an obelisk or something that the likelihood that just kind of any, anybody off the street could do it is really small so what they're probably thinking happened was had to do with Egypt was a highly agricultural society um, they used their land more for raising crops than for feeding livestock okay because like you mentioned the Nile Nailed it. usually flooded about once a year um, but you can't work the fields while the flood is there what happens is the flood happens it leaves a, a nice deposit of silt and that's what fertilizes the crops for the next year but you can't do anything in the field while the the water is on it that makes sense so, that tracks. so these farmers and you know land land workers had to have something to do because all rations, all all money was paid in rations from the government. Now, see, this I know because I know this, once again, uh, from both biblical stories and now, a little bit of musicals, too. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, they have the whole thing about, like, you'll have seven years of plenty, so save that because you got to give, like, basically everything that gets, like, grown and raised as far as, like, livestock and, and food goes, goes to the government, and then they hand it back out? Yes, um, so there weren't really like wages, but it was a, a pyramid uh. type of social strata. So the pharaoh at the top and his government officials, which were usually the family. And I say his only because statistically there were more male uh, pharaohs than female, although there were female pharaohs. There was one whose name I can't remember who still wore the, like the beard. That's Cleopatra. The... Cleopatra did that? Yeah. I didn't know that. She was, I mean, a lot of them still wore the beard. Anyway, it was a ceremonial thing. Whatever. So the pharaoh and his government were responsible for divvying the rations out to everybody. Um, so if you didn't work, you didn't get rations. 
Okay. So what these farmers and land workers would do is go to, you know, the closest kind of building site, whatever the pharaoh was working on, temple, obelisk, pyramid, tomb, thing like that, right? And uh, same thing goes with the craftsmen. If you don't have materials of things to make other materials with, you got to go earn money well they didn't use money it was a barter system i'll go back to that you got to go earn in order to make right yeah so these craftsmen would also go to these built sites they would be put to work and that's where they would get their rations okay um so the idea of slave labor doing these things really doesn't quite add up I mean, there were probably still some slaves Certainly. doing, like, menial, like, unskilled labor. Like moving stone from one place to another. Probably. Yeah. Probably. But a lot of the actual building was probably done by people who did this every season. So they knew what they were doing. In fact, sense. there have been discoveries on opposing ends of some of these buildings of graffiti marks. Kind of like... I mean, they're called by Egyptologists gang marks because these rival gangs would try and outbuild each other and they would tag their whatever it was they were building so that they could be, you know, they had bragging rights. So like rival gangs of construction workers. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So let me go back and touch on what I touched on for the um, bartering system. It was really cool. Uh, doing this research because really what the Egyptians had was Bitcoin. Really? There was no physical money. There were jewels. There was gold. There was, you know, that kind of stuff. But as far as like everyday exchange, it was all kind of just understood, right? Okay. They had units like Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin is a unit. But it's it only worked because everyone agreed how much stuff each unit was worth usually traded in grain because the staple diet uh, other than vegetables and fruits um the diet was bread beer you know and fruits and and vegetables so basically like you would say like okay well this cow would be worth i don't know 14 pounds of grain and your sheep is worth seven pounds of grain, so two sheep equals one cow. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And it was, it was you know, the system worked because everyone believed in the worth of the things, not, not because they had physical currency to exchange. Okay. I thought that was super cool. So you couldn't roll up and be like, actually, this sheep is worth 15 pounds of grain. So, and you're like, no, no, no. That's right. not, we all know that that's not true, Jerry. Come on. <laughs> right. Um, and then one of the other things that I, I wanted to touch on, something that was kind of the, the pervasive thing of everyday life, and you said it, again, B minus, Travis gets lots okay, of it, right? You don't have to. Okay, the more you bring it up, the less good it sounds like. <laughs> it's real. I know that B minus is better than say like a C plus, but having the word minus in there really makes it feel. <laughs> How about we call it a C plus plus? No, that no, I don't know. That sounds like double speak from like 1984. <laughs> How about just like a C point two, C point five, C point five? No, B point five. That's what I meant. B point five. Okay. Anyway. Uh, you mentioned mummification. I did, yes. 
And the reason, I mean, other than just the prolific amount of mummies that have been discovered, some taken care of and some not. Um, yeah, there's a whole episode, I think, of Sawbones where they yeah. talk about mummies and that there was a period of time where people ate them. Yeah. Yeah. For their yeah. healing properties or whatever. Mm. So it it felt to me while I was researching this that kind of the mummification was a necessity for the ancient Egyptians because of the way they lived their lives. How do you mean? Well, uh, one of the pervasive kind of um, thought processes was the idea of magic. Uh-huh. And magic supplied by the creation of the universe, magic supplied by, you know, beings, by gods, by things like that, right? And the society was structured, like I said, like a pyramid. And the reason for that was, quote, because the gods yes. deemed it the most perfect way of living. I mean, that's the thing, right? I also know this, that when you talk about, like, pharaohs and the royal family, it's it's not that different from a lot of, like, European kings and stuff, where the idea of, like, it's chosen by God. This person is king because they were chosen by God, except that I believe, if I'm not mistaken and I'm not assuming... Uh, uh, things that aren't actually true. I believe that when it comes to like Pharaoh, Pharaoh actually was considered to be God in the form of man on earth. So he was, Pharaoh was considered to be the living bridge yeah. between the gods, the afterlife also, and life today. So um, what what the ancient Egyptians built their entire day around was this this magic, this way of putting out into the universe. And, and it's kind of hard to describe because for my according to my research, everything had magic. It's almost like have you ever heard of uh, Shinto? No. Well, it is an, an Eastern philosophy. Uh, that has come to light a lot from Marie Kondo, right? Um, because she thanks the house, mm-hmm. right? If you if you haven't seen it, she is a, a organizer from Japan. Who one of the things that she advocates in her method is thanking your possessions for their service to you, even if you no longer have need of them. You used them. They served a purpose at one point, so you thank them. So is this because I, I was going to compare it to um, another touch point I have, touchstone, whatever, is that like with ancient Greek and ancient Roman, the idea of like just about everything had a god. That sure. There was a god of, you know, the household. There was a god of the sun there was a god of the land there was a god of the trees there was a god you know what i mean like and a lot of like major gods that we know of now for example the one that always springs to mind is like hades was of course the god of the underworld but also the god of like thieves and the god of wealth and the god of and so a right. lot of these gods wore multiple hats but there was like a god for everything right it's it seems very similar um, and so the entire day, the entire life actually revolved around creating this kind of perfect 
lifestyle, this utopia. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's the phlegm. Um, the like God you said, phlegm. like you said, for their heart to be weighed, right? And what you wanted was a heart that was lighter than the feather. Yes. That that the God had at the that gate. That Anubis. Yes. Weighed your heart. That was my favorite. I got to play Anubis. Oh. And the thing we did, so I got to pull the heart out of the person's chest, and it was like a foam heart that they had tucked under their uh, mm-hmm. armpit. And I got to reach for the chest and pull out the heart and then weigh it. Oh, it was great. That's, that's amazing. Good for you. Very exciting. And you know what? We're going to talk about more stuff in a day of the life of ancient Egypt. But first, how about a thank you note for some of our sponsors? Hello. I would like to say thank you for Squarespace for a lot of things. One, for being one of the sponsors of this episode, but also for making building a website so easy that anyone can do it, including me, who knows nothing about website building. And well, but it, you you do now because well, of the, the wonderful tutorials also available to help you make your Squarespace your own. When I started, I didn't know what I was doing, and now I sort of know what I'm doing. <laughs> if you go to buttercupisaverygoodgirl.com, you can see a website I made dedicated to my dog, Buttercup. Um, she is great, and we love her very much. And I did it uh, in like an hour and a half, two hours. And that's the thing. If you have work you'd like to showcase or maybe products you'd like to sell or just whatever you could use a website for, make a website for that on Squarespace. You don't need to know anything um, because they have 24-7 award-winning customer support. They have tutorials. There's tons of videos you can watch about it on YouTube. Um, And they have a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions. They have beautiful customizable templates created by world-class designers. It's it's so easy. It's a a one-stop website shop. That is correct. So make it stand out. Stand out with a beautiful website from Squarespace. Check out squarespace.com slash schmanners for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code schmanners to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We'd also like to say thank you this week to Quip for being uh, for sh- sponsoring Schmanners in part. Um, and Quip is designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, more affordable, and even more enjoyable. Um, so we have some Quips. Let me tell you about the thing I love about the Quips. I like that it is very slim, easy to transport. I like that it is an electric toothbrush, which is recommended by my dental hygienist. And I like that uh, as you push the button, it keeps count of your your brushing time. It's got that timer in there and a pulse every 30 seconds because I got to tell you, I, I tend to space out a little yeah. bit when I brush my teeth, just kind of staring there, going back and forth. That little pulse helps me know I need to switch. It's got pulses that add up in time to two minutes, which is the recommended amount of time. And before Quip, I got to say, I probably never brushed for up to two minutes. Um, so that's for for on my end. But on the Quip side of things, I get it? Uh? Yeah. Uh, they automatically deliver your brush heads every three months for just $5. And it comes with a multi-use cover. Uh, so you can either mount it to your mirror or you can bring the whole thing with you and use it as a travel cover. It's super great. We're a big fan of our quips. And I think you will be too. So you should go check it out. 
Uh, Quip is backed by over 20,000 dental professionals, so they're pretty big of a fan of Quip. And it starts at $25. If you go to getquip.com slash schmanners right now, and you can get your first refill pack for free with your Quip electric toothbrush. That's right. Get your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash schmanners. We also have a Jumbotron this week from Maple to Donovan. And Maple says, Hi, baby. You make me the happiest person in the world. So I spent $100 to have the man whose beard you aspire to grow read that out loud. Just remember, I might fight with our kitty over who loves you the most, but Greg loves to lick plastic bags more than anything else. So I win. (laughs) Love, Maple. Is Greg your cat? Because Greg is a great name for a cat. It really is. This is Greg, our roommate and cat. Cats are kind of like roommates. Unless you wish you could trade in your own family for the Pearsons, Inside Pop is definitely not for you. Sean, that's a little extreme and also not quite true. Okay, Amita, how about Inside Pop is the podcast for people who love and appreciate the best pop culture has to offer? Oh, much better. In every episode, we interview the people who create the culture you crave. Past interviews include the production designer for Fargo and Tony DeCray from the DreamWorks Story Department. You'll also get the very best pop culture recommendations in our Big Sell segment. Plus the opinions of two TV producers who are pop culture obsessives and actually do wish Sterling K. Brown was our cousin. Kissing cousins, that is. Listen to Inside Pop every other Wednesday on the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. There's nothing quite like sailing in the calm international waters on my ship, the SS Biopic. Avast! It's actually pronounced biopic. No, you dingus! It's biopic! Who the hell says that? It's biopic. Because it's the, the words word for biography and picture. You... All right, that is enough. Ahoy, I'm Dave Holmes. I'm the host of the newly rebooted podcast, formerly known as International Waters. Designed to resolve petty but persistent arguments like this. How? By pitting two teams of opinionated comedians against each other with trivia and improv games, of course. Winner takes home the right to be right. What podcast be this? It's called Troubled Waters, where we disagree to disagree. Okay, so what else do we need to know about a day in the life of ancient Egypt? Okay, well, I thought that I would get down a little further into the details of this pyramid I keep talking about. Okay. So at the bottom are the farmers and slaves, right? Um, And then above that would be the craftsmen Mm -hmm. uh, because they know a trade. Above that would be the merchants. And then can I guess? After that, clergy? Priests? Almost. Scribes. Really? Yeah. Then priests... Oh, sorry. Scribes, then soldiers, kind of. There wasn't really a full Egyptian army until uh, much later in ancient Egypt. Mostly it was like militias and stuff. Uh, So soldiers just kind of slid in there in between scribes and um, priests, which were also the government officials and the nobles. Okay. Priests were were also government officials? A lot of the time. Yeah, they were also scribes. So... Um, 
priests had a pretty big part of, of society. Um, they had a lot of responsibility, even though there weren't as many of them. Yeah. Um, but every temple had its own set of priests, and they could all read or write because, I mean, they had to be able to in order to carry out their duties. Um, and they were, you know, so respected in the community, they were given government titles and okay. stuff. And sometimes land, which made them noblemen. Got it. Okay. And then the pharaoh and their family up at the top, which also started out as government officials, but as history wore on... Um, they didn't want to have jobs anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the thing. Let me be... I'll tell y'all, if I were a royal, I wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would work at charity stuff. I would not. I would do, I would have a giant room full of pillows and swings and video games and food. And I would just go, I don't know, whatever wild is, but I basically would just sleep 18 hours a day. That's the dream. That's the dream. Okay. So now that we have this kind of social construct, I want to paint a more detailed picture of what an everyday life might be like. Okay. And I would like to focus at, uh, at this juncture, as we did a little bit of focusing on the farmers and the craftsmen, I'd like to focus on the scribes. Okay. Um, so the scribes are the people that wrote everything down. Um, and so a lot of the of the thing manuscripts that we have about them talks about how the scribes are the best and I everyone else sucks. Yeah, I would do that, yeah. <laughs> Um, so in order to become a scribe, you had to, you know, be, th go through a lot of schooling. Uh, you also most likely had to have a father who was a scribe, um, because a lot of jobs in this p time period were hereditary, which makes sense. You go into the family business, right? Sure. Um, even priesthood was hereditary. Uh, again, family business. So um, in order to become a scribe, you probably, your father was a scribe. Uh, you went through schooling and apprenticeship. Um, a lot of times, scribes also became doctors because of the amount of learning that they acquired in order to become a scribe. Um, yeah, and it seems like, because I think we've picked this up from listening to Sawbones too, is that when it comes to being a doctor... There was like a huge period of time where like having education of any kind, like you knew more than most people qualified you right, to like yeah. treat people. Like it wasn't a specialization. You didn't train specially to be a doctor. You just were educated. And so you could be a doctor if you wanted to. Right. Um, and the thing about the scribes is there's a lot of detail that we find basically from tombs in in the uh the kind of like games that everybody played so we we know that um the scribe level of society did actually have leisure time which is amazing right like we were talking about the industrial revolution giving kind of the western world this leisure time but so far back as ancient Egypt, this kind of middle class of people had leisure time. They mm. loved to play games. There's board games that have been discovered from the period. Um, they loved to do what was kind of described as 
boat jousting. What? Well, I mean, according to things left over, the pictures and the models, um, you sit in a boat and there's an opponent opposing you uh-huh. and you each have kind of like sticks or lances, right? And yes. you're supposed to kind of sail or yes, row at, e- this. at this each other great. and knock each other out of your boat. Yes, okay. Yes, <laughs> With your I'm sticks. here for this. Let's do this. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, so this this leisure time is the thing that, that I really found so interesting. Um, it's... I think that one of the reasons why this leisure time culture was cultivated is going back to the religion, right? Because afterlife wasn't supposed to be different from regular life. Mm-hmm. There was just kind of you died and that was like the bridge and then to you went somewhere else. The eternal life, which was supposed to be an absolute reflection of your regular life. Um, that's this is the thing too. We'll have to talk about if we haven't. I don't think we did ancient Greece, but not yet. This is another thing that like we have. Oh, so when we think about like the underworld, right? You talk about like Hades uh, being God of underworld. A lot of people mistake that for like hell, the right. idea of like punishment. But also the both like the under and Elysian fields were also in the underworld. It was just like no, you died and you went to the underworld like that. Hades was the god of the afterlife. Mm -hmm. And so, from what I remember, there was no separation of, like, you either go up or go down. Like, no, you go to a place, and depending on, that's how that all was reflected. Right. So, the life of ancient Egyptians was was all culminating toward this utopia level that they wanted to see in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. Um, So, it really made sense that... Egyptians helped each other out, that they um, in their lives were were a striving to be a kind society because that's what they wanted to see of themselves. And I think that that is really cool, um, especially since there really wasn't any upward societal mobility really ever um, because, like I said, Everything in this life was mirrored exactly in the afterlife. So if you were a farmer, you were going to be a farmer in the afterlife. Like but that maybe was a your farmer thing. of a great farm. Maybe. A top-notch farm. Right. Well, so you were always striving for that top-notch quality because that's what you wanted over there, mm-hmm. right? Um, and another really interesting thing about the life in in real life that you cultivated uh women had a lot of autonomy they could own property they could institute divorce um they uh had access to health care um there wasn't really like voting or anything but they could hold positions in governments and priesthoods and they be could be pharaoh be pharaoh that's right um and go to school and learn to things and um the institute of marriage is another kind of offshoot of this cultivating utopia marriage was not recognized by the state or the religion 
It's just not a not a thing because so you're just married. Marriage marriage was a social contract. Okay. And because the state and religion stayed out of marriage, divorce also was a social contract. You didn't so it's have just like any... you were dating, and then we were dating forever, but yeah. then maybe we broke up. Yeah. Um, and the way that property was divided when people got married to each other, basically just, you know, merged their properties. Um, should there be a divorce, it was completely understood that each person would take their own property back with them. And sometimes... If there was a nasty divorce, um, maybe because of infidelity or, you know, I guess thievery or something. Yeah. Um, the local magistrates, everything was done locally at this point. Um, the local magistrates might say, hey, you did a bad job. Uh, so now the other person gets to take some of your stuff with them. Okay. Up to... Up to like two thirds of somebody's things could be awarded to the other person for as, you know, damages. Interesting. Right. Uh, so this the social hierarchy. Is a is paints a picture of this kind of like everyone does what they're expected to do. And that's a lot of of what manners and society we do today except the the social mobility thing, yeah. right? Um, and not to say that everything was all like peace and love and flowers. Um, your social status and pretty much where you lived too contributed to your life expectancy. Um, if you were down at the bottom of this pyramid, you probably would get married once, you know, puberty set in and then... You would do your job and for uh, the hardworking class, life expectancy was like mid-30s. But if you, I guess, were blessed enough, lucky enough, had enough magic to be born into a higher class, then you could live on to, uh, there are, there are mummies that have been dated to 90 years old. Oh, wow. Very old. Um because the life was easier for people higher up the pyramid. And I'm so glad that's changed today. Mm -hmm. um, so that's going to do it for us, I think. Thank you all for joining us for another episode of Schmanners. Um, want to remind you, if you have ideas for topics, you can email us, schmannerscast at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us, at schmannerscast. Um, and we know what next week's going to be, so I can go ahead and tell you. So you, burr, can, burr, burr. you can start thinking about your questions. We're going to be talking about like wallets and billfolds, that kind and of thing. Purses. And purses. Um, so we'll put a tweet out probably Tuesday calling for your questions. So uh, look for that, and then you can send those questions to us via the Twitter, at SchmannersCast. Also, um, Schmanners is going to be going with my brother, my brother, me, and the Adventure Zone to San Jose and Salt Lake City in uh when is that april in april that's right right there at the beginning of april i believe the second third and fourth we're going to be in san jose and salt lake city if you want to find out more about that and get your tickets you can go to macroy.family and click on tours there at the top and while you're there click on our merch see that there's some some cool new stuff being dropped 
all the time. That's right. And we've got a couple new things coming out, including uh, some new Schmanners merch that I'm very excited about that I can't wait for you to see. It uh, is uh, super cute. It's very cute. Um, so go check that out. Uh, let's see. What am I forgetting, Teresa? Well, we always give a thank you to Brent Bruntlefloss Black for uh, writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art and to Keely Weiss Photography for our cover banner of the Fan Run Facebook group Schmanners Fanners, which you should join. There are a lot of like-minded people uh, giving and getting great advice. Uh, and that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. You get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.